morning, church. It's certainly good to be with you, and thank you, Jan and Beth and Pryor, Brother Brian. It's uh, awfully good to sing about the Lord's goodness to us, full of truth and full of grace. The Lord is good. It's good to be with you this evening, or this morning. I, I was thinking about the evening, though. I missed. Y'all had dinner without me. And I'm very sorry I missed. Um, I, that's one date I had booked when I came here some many months ago. Uh, but I'm very sorry to miss. But I heard you, you had dinner without me. And that's just great. And uh, anyway, I just want to say to you, um, sorry I missed out. But I'm so appreciative of, uh, of just the fellowship that you enjoy and uh, those are occasions that Debbie and I have uh, measured and cherished. And uh, I just want to say to you, uh, the ability to be grateful uh, is not just an add-on to matters of the Spirit. It's something crucial about us. And it says something about us uh, and who we are before God. And I'm so, so very grateful for that occasion and uh, the many folks who work to make it happen uh, there's, um, I can't stop uh, or start naming, I can't stop if I do, but I, I know there's a hospitality crew and uh, there's a St. Betty back there who I think uh, sees a good bit of that done. And I even heard there were pies, pies, oh my goodness, pies. So that'll teach me, right, uh, to, uh, to go off to conference. Uh, but I'm just so, so very grateful for um, your fellowship, the fellowship that we enjoy. I'm profoundly, profoundly grateful. Well, we'll do a little different today. I'll largely do the sermon, then we'll read the text, so don't get too nervous. Uh, but all that to say, I'm grateful for our time together. Grateful, Brother Sam, for you being here with us and uh, for the uh, special emphasis. I want you to know that this is going to be part of my spiritual routine for the next month. And every day there's a people group that we can learn about and pray together for. I'm praying that the Lord will bless these folks as we remember them. I'm praying that God will bless us and uh, refine us and tune us, uh, turn our hearts out and our attention to the gospel as it's taken out. And anyway, if you didn't get one of these in Sunday school already, there's some right here on the front pew as you uh, exit. I would be so grateful if you would end up with one of these and join us in this effort to pray. It's all part of our emphasis on Lottie Moon. And um, this is something that uh, Trevanian and, and committee have been uh, working on. It's been in their hearts for um, actually more than a year, some long years now. And so I, I'm just uh, hopeful that we'll take this to heart and, uh, and grateful, grateful. Now let me give you the particulars of the of the sermon. The text is utterly simple in one way. You could imagine hearing it at almost any number of homes in any variety of ways. It would go something like this. You know what time it is? Uh, have, you, have you looked at the time? Anybody ever hear that at home? You know what today is? God bless uh, my beloved Miss Debbie. She's the one who often tells me what day it is. 
sounds simple, I know, but she'll say, it's your brother's birthday today. I'm richer because I'm reminded what time it is, what day it is, what's the special season. Do you know what time it is? Have you looked, have you looked at the time? And then another exhortation. Get up. Uh, get up and get dressed. <laughs> Rise up, stir up, and get ready. Hmm. All those things are, I think, well known in the routines of domestic life. Now, I've just got to convince you that most of this didn't occur this morning, but when I was 16 instead, right? <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, anyway, that's another conversation, but uh, trust me, it, it didn't go that way this morning. I, I, I answered the alarm this morning. But all that to say, these are the routines of everyday life, and yet they're really the simple outline of what Paul is telling us this morning. And as we count down to Christmas, I want us to be aware of the routines of the simplest things in life because they hold great importance for us if we understand them. Uh, one more uh, domestic matter uh, I'll throw in for good measure. I don't know if I'll have time to get to this, but if I do, you could, you, you could uh, if I don't, you can look at the text, at the end of the text, and you may see something like it when you read it for yourself. I've said uh, to my children, I've inflicted them with this more than I wish to admit, but I want to warn you, once you get a little older, what you said to your kids sometimes comes back to you, right? But I, I just have to tell you, I have said this a time or two. Uh, when they looked at me uh, and, and said, it was an accident, I didn't mean to. I, I, I'm sorry I've tell, I have to tell you this, but I've been known to say, yeah, but did you mean not to, right? I mean, you were carrying that glass of water on the TV tray so precariously and it looked dangerous from the very outset and, and, and no, you didn't mean to spill it, right? But did you take precautions? Did you mean not to spill it? Like I say, that's come back at me in ways that I don't, don't fully appreciate always. But these are the matters of the text before us. Before we read, read the text, I want to just mention a couple of things for you uh, and, and they're a little complicated, so just... Don't give up altogether. The first item is this. Paul is saying here that the night has been well spent and the day is at hand. You could even say the day is arriving. And he is talking about living it with a sense of expectation. Is he talking about the second coming being near? Is he just talking about the, the new age of Christianity has dawned on us and now is pressing in on us? He uses the image of a night, this age that's gone wrong, and this age that's suffering under its own rebellion, and then the day that has come. Is that the coming of Jesus? Is that the coming of the gospel? Paul is living somehow, we can't maybe be altogether confident exactly what he's saying, but Paul is pressing us somehow to understand this. You live in this special moment. Salvation has already underway in you, and the gospel has already taken root in you. You are participating in it, and yet we still wait for the time when it will come in fullness, 
and Paul is explicitly sort of mapping out for us this tension. We live with this sense of expectation. Is it the end that is near? Is it our end that is near? Is Paul just living within the dynamic energy that is true of so much of the New Testament? Speaking of the nearness of the gospel, and yet he doesn't, like maybe we would do, sit back and say, okay, I've got the date, I'll, I'll mark my calendar, you know, I'll try to pay attention when the time comes, or I'll be ready that Tuesday morning. If it's, oh, I think it's Tuesday morning, right? Is it this day, that day? Instead, uh, he, he doesn't predict and sort of enter into a passive sort of mode. Instead, he lets the news, he lets the age, he lets the ear he's in define him and animate him to be ready, to work, to be prepared, and to participate in the good thing that God is doing. The, day is, uh, the night is far spent. The day is arriving. Paul lives with this sense of expectation. And we are closer to that final salvation than the day when we believe. Now, that's kind of inevitably going to be true as time passes, right? But the idea is for Paul that he is vividly seeing the anticipation of the coming of Christ. And as we count down to Christmas, Christians have not only looked back to the coming of Christ, that dawning of the day, the, the breaking in of the light, but we have also looked ahead to his final coming, to his coming again, and the rich completion of everything he's begun in us. And Christians who live in that expectation, they seem to wake up, be alert, be alive, and not be sort of slumbering, unattentive. And so I think Paul is living in this dynamic energy. The one age is well underway, and its time, its end is certain. And the new age is dawning. It's already begun, and its conclusion is certain. So I don't know that Paul's so much watching his clock to see if it's this Tuesday or the next, but I think Paul is suggesting to you we live in this moment, we're in this moment of time, the good news has begun, it's taken its root in us, and just, it's just ahead of us. And we must live in expectation of God's complete victory. The other matter I'd like to mention to you, again, a little tricky here is the notion of light and darkness. It's all through our text and what I have to say here is not so much just explicit in the text, but uh, I think more the working assumption of the text. And furthermore, it's the working assumption of what we'll be doing for several weeks as we count down to Christmas. We'll be celebrating that the light has broken into the darkness. The light has come. And I just want to warn you, let's be careful. We can get sloppy. Sometimes... You hear folks talk about God as if though God decides to throw some darkness at some people and some light to others. The worst and crudest of them even picture a couple of gods or many gods, some for the light and some for the dark. Christianity from its earliest days has had to war against that kind of misimpression. 
But the gospel tells us that God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. John puts it that he is full of mercy and grace, and this light breaks into the world. And I just want to tell you, the gone wrongness of this world isn't because God's throwing some darkness at some folks and throwing some light at some others. The gone wrongness of the world comes from this, that the light breaks into the world. And there are some who receive the light. For them, the light is hope, and the light stirs them and moves them, and it awakens a promise of of hope and, and a promise of life, and they're drawn to the light, and they love the light. And others, they are perhaps preoccupied with other things and so on, and the light doesn't move them. It's light all along. But the light that awakens some does not awaken everyone. Wow. I'll go you one better. A a person who teaches the catechism has reminded me and taught me of this, Ben Meyer. Um, He reminds us that even in our own lives, While we're in this age, waiting for the fullness of the new age to come, while we're here, even though salvation's taken root in us, and we are God's people, we must be honest about ourselves. The truth is this, we're not what we ought to be. We're not complete products. God is not finished with us, and there are things in us that are not well and not right. The darkness can seem to hold on to us still even when we have come to the light. Now you may think that living in the darkness, we would not want the light at all. But the truth is this, painful and humbling as it may be, our hope is that God comes in judgment. Because we as Christians believe that when he comes, this discerning of who we are and so on will not just vindicate us that we are God's children, but it will remedy us, it will heal us, it will repair us. And the light that I've cast my faith with, the light I've clung to in Jesus Christ, the promise I've entrusted myself to, I believe it will be victorious. And so I pray even for God's end. I pray for God to finish with me. I pray for the future of God. Not because I think I'm going to be all everything I I ever ought to be, but because I think God will finish all that he is still working on in me. And so I celebrate the light and the grip it has on my life, and I And I long for the light to have complete control of my life, for the fullness of salvation, for salvation to be a finished project like Paul talks about in the text. I long for that and so on. I say just one more about this light. The light breaks in. It is the light that so often divides us. And and also I mention this as well. It's the light that promises to heal us when it comes in fullness. And just one more measure here. I know that I'm asking for some of you to look ahead and hope to the light. 
But I am very aware that we live still in the brokenness of this dark age. It's not a surprise to me. I'm aware of it. I'm humbled by it. I understand that many of you are struggling with the gone wrongness of the world, and you know life's illnesses, and some of you are struggling with uh, your health, and some of you are struggling with relationship, and some of you are struggling about guidance and, to, and where to go from here and, and how the way forward looks. And, and I just want to say to you, I know the darkness is very much with us, but I just want to tell you this. Paul exhorted his Christians, These folk in Romans, he exhorted them and encouraged them that the goodness of God has been revealed to us because the light has come into the world. And God is not finished with us. There's still more to come. And Paul says, I want you to face what's going on now in the broken world around you and even within you with this confidence that the light that has broken in will one day have its work completed in us. And there's a day ahead. And I want you to be sustained and informed by the hope of the Christian gospel. Will you read with me this text? And I'll give you a word of final exhortation. It starts there in Romans 13. We begin with verse 11. Besides this, you know what time it is. How it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. So let us put aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us, that's getting dressed, right? Put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day and not in the reveling and drunkenness, debauchery and licentiousness, not in the quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This word is ever so simple. Let's wake up. Do you know what time it is? Do you know what today is? Do you know where you are in the big scheme of things in God's plan? Do you know where you are? Are are you awake? Are you awake? Then there's action that's called for. Let's get ready. Get ready. Let's dress. Let's prepare let's ready ourselves to participate in the victory that god is going to bring us someday and there's going to be this necessity that we get ready we can't be getting ready to live oh in the old world to be stuck in the things that have held us back and all kinds of misbehavior and all kinds of mischief toward one another uh, misdeeds and so on that uh, so often distract us and so often keep us we've got to put that aside and we've got to get ready. We've got to dress for light. We've got to dress and put on Jesus Christ. We've got to be intentional. And I want you to be intentional. And I guess here's what I've said to my kids all along. 
I want you to mean not to, right? And there's some things that just aren't fitting for who, we're, who we are now and who we will be in Jesus Christ. And there's some things we just, we just have to close the door to. We just, let, let's make an intentional break and let's prepare not to participate in those things and then let's prepare to live in the new way that Christ has for us. Let's be ready. Uh, dear old Augustine, the great Christian saint from North Africa, the bishop there, one of the centers of Christianity uh, for its long, long history. You might be surprised to hear there in what would be uh, Libya or Tunisia today. This remarkable churchman so many years ago, when he was struggling to find his way to Christ, he heard a voice, take and read, and he goes over to the Bible. It's open to exactly our passage, and he reads in it. And he reads simply enough what Paul has said to the Romans, but he hears God speaking to him. And he knows it's not just an old word for the Romans, but it's a word stirred and made alive, and the Spirit is speaking to him. And he takes this old word directed to this church from to Rome from, from Paul, and now he sees, though, that God is using it to speak to him, and he sees this call to live differently and to, to order his life and to participate in the new coming of the, the, of the light and the coming of the day and to gear his life and prepare his life and live his life in light of the gospel that's coming. And this morning, I'm asking you to do the same, to listen in to Paul's letter and to see if the Spirit won't speak to us I wonder if the Lord is stirring us to say, let's be faithful to one another. We're waiting for our new pastor to come. We're waiting for new direction and new leadership. Let's, let's be sure we're faithful to one another. Let's be sure we're attentive. Let's be praying for the cause. We've got transition ahead. We're going to lose some leadership. We're going to need people to be, to be patient in the days ahead uh, we're we're going to need uh, help because uh, some things might uh, fall to the ground. We're going to need people to be patient when they do, and we're going to need people to pick up and help and, and so on. And I just want to call you and stir you to a readiness and an eagerness to be ready, to be deliberate, to anticipate what God has for us and do every preparation now we're going to set aside some things that really don't fit with where we want to be. And we're going to close the door on those things in our life. And we're going to deliberately, deliberately get ready for what we want God to do. I want us to hear it simple. Maybe it's almost primordial. At least it was in my home. All those kids running around, I've heard it before. You know what time it is? And let's get up. Rise up. Let's get ready. Will you pray with me? Gracious Father, 
don't let us leave this place without your vision of what's coming and the special season in our lives marking us. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would take us. And Lord, there are occasions where we've been slumbering. We've just let things go. We're participating in stuff that's not part of the future for our lives or our church. And God, I just pray, would you stir us up? Would your spirit so blow across us that you would awaken us to the moment, to this moment and what you want to do and what you want to achieve and, and the moment of where we stand in the history of what all of you're doing. And God, let our focus and our vision be clear. And Lord, will you help us? Will you help us wake up? Will you help us get ready? We need your help to sustain us. And Lord, is there someone this day who would recognize that even in this moment, this is the moment and the season for them to stop being on the boundary, but to hear the gospel spoken, and although they've never embraced it before, God, would you move someone listening even right now to just say, Yes, I'm, I'm in. I'm no longer going to be at arm's distance. I belong to this promise. I want to gear my life to the light. I want God to begin something in me and finish that salvation in me. And would you draw someone to faith this day? Would you draw all of us to be aw aw awakened and alert and deliberate? We pray, Lord. Let us leave the darkness behind and let us live in the light. We pray for your mercy and your help in Jesus' name. Amen.